Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drift. Rob, welcome back to the table here at the Leadership Drip. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's really a really good, good day. day. If there was somebody in your life who you thought drinks coffee as much as we do yeah. and talks much about leadership, yeah. who would that person be? Well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking somewhere, you know, I used to live in Huntington Beach. You can say that every time we're on the show. Huntington Beach. And I think their name sort of rhymes with beach. Well, you're is... This doctorate has paid off big time. <laughs> yeah. I got to use all my words. All like your I, words. Like I put in that doctorate. So I'm go just, ahead and do the introduction yeah, and finish it hey, up. We are so excited to have Pastor Chad Beach with us from Zoe Church in Los Angeles. Great church. Been there many times. Uh, he's an author. He's a pastor. He's the host of a leadership uh, lean in podcast. He's a fellow coffee drinker and is the author of his most recent book, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Worried about everything because I pray about nothing. Pastor Chad, welcome to the show, man. We're glad to have you, man. Thank you so much for having me on it. I mean, come on, guys that love church leadership and coffee. Where y'all been? We've <laughs> been in Cleveland. We, we, are, we are tucked in the mountains of, of the Great Smoky Mountains, bro. We are hard to find. We hard, hard to get out of the foothills, man. <laughs> Thank God for the internet. Yes, that's yes. exactly right. So, so you talk about coffee as much as we talk about coffee. Yeah. I'm, I'm a faithful listener to Leadership Lean In. Um, I'm a leaner, you may say. Uh, and so I got to know, how do, you, how do you take your coffee? Is it black? Is it cream and sugar? How's it you go? Know, I'm, listen, there's not anything manly about me. I'm a full-blown wussy. So okay. <laughs> I am a half-and-half half guy. I know there are other, you know, people out there with hair on their chest and are real strong guys that change tires. I'm not, I'm just not that dude. Like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm and I'm proud. To have, I love cream. I go to the store. I buy cream. You know, the first coffee at your house is just a, it's an appetizer. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. a warm-up. But I do cream in my warm-up and my real one at the shop. Gotcha. I, I do cream both. Hey, well, how about hey, you? You, you got to do so, you, man. So I will say this. I, in the warm, I love the warm-up conversation because the first cup, I put almond milk in it just because I need it cooled off fast enough to get you drinking. The rest of the day is black. Now, I used to be a French vanilla guy, like hardcore Okay, but, I, but my wife and I did a whole thirty, and I kicked it, and I can't go back. That's like that's like so gas station of you to be a French vanilla guy. It was, you know what I was I'm gas station like, coffee all the way. It's in fairness, we all had our French vanilla stage. <laughs> I, I was never in the, that is that is discipled in coffee. Yes, so I went the other track, man. I you went, were a I marine trained. though; you didn't have an option. I was in the Marines. If I got coffee and I put something in it, it was probably Irish cream. So that's. <laughs> Let me just say this. If you were a Marine, we yeah, we can't relate. Again, so Chad and I are instantaneously okay. friends. You're on the outside. I, I'm always on the outside. That's not that's not unusual. Half and half. So right so since we got some of the same kind of uh, uh roots, you know, from Southern California, I want to know, and you're of course you're not endorsing any particular establishment, but like what's your favorite place to get coffee? Like, where do you love to go? Well, well, my go-to because it's close to my house is is blue bottle. I'm a blue bottle. Okay. Uh, you know, consumer, but 
uh, the best coffee, in my humble opinion, in LA that I have found is Maru coffee. Maru. And, you know, this changes though. Like when I first moved here, I'm like, wow, intelligentsia is on fire. Yeah. For a, yeah. For a while, Verve is like, wow, Verve is yeah. off the charts. For a while, G and B coffee, or, you know, uh, even, even, um, uh, go get them tiger, you know, like it just changes right now for me. It's, it's Maru coffee. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't been to Maru. Uh, obviously everybody goes intelligentsia cause it's like a, a standard, you know, uh, thing you have to do, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we Verve got a was really great. I love solid Verve. racetrack gas station down the road. Yeah, we, do. <laughs> <laughs> we got a quick trips. Yeah. Exactly. and fresh, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You are, and, and again, I've, I've already confessed my love for the Leadership Lean In podcast, but yeah. you are without question a John Maxwell guy. You love leadership. When, when was it for you, Chad, that you really became a student of leadership? More than just being a leader, when did it become, because you, you verbalize this over and over. When did you become a student of leadership? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, like I'm a pastor's kid. So I was just like, I was around leaders. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I was, um, you know, so enamored with it as a young person. I just was drawn to seeing why, why did that guy fail? Why did that happen to that person? Why is that growing so fast? And then probably around maybe like late 90s, my dad started going to the Global Leadership Network, the satellites. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to Chicago like when Bill Hybels and them were hosting it, but he was going to satellite. And then he'd come home with, you know, Bishop Jakes when he was on the rise mm -hmm. or Jack Welch, you know, and all these great speakers. And reading 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership when I was like 19 was like, those are pivotal days. So yeah. it was probably in that late 90s era of Ziggler's coming out and Blanchard's getting big and Lenciona's on the scene and a guy named Wayne Cordero was really um, instrumental in, you know, my love and appreciation for leadership. So probably, probably around that time, but it's all the influence of my father. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, these, these are these names that were dropping, they've been around for a while, but it was a really cool and exciting era kind yeah. of see them like uh, a great friend on Wayne Cordero's staff in Hawaii, like know them really well. Great stuff. Lencioni obviously was a large part of my dissertation. Yeah. Like, all of these, all of these names that were dropping are just kind of leadership gurus i even went to td jake's church when it was still in the bank in west virginia like that's wow. how far back i've been following td jake's like yeah. you know that's a ways back yeah. but but the point is like as you've kind of evolved your leadership journey you've kind of became a leadership student what were some of those things you kind of saw your dad bringing them home or you began to read 21 and funeral 21 laws or whatever what were some of the things that you really began to see actually be able to put into practice? Like at 19, what did that leadership application look like for you? Well, I really started to just see from these guys, wow, I'm so drawn to excellence. I'm so drawn to disciplines. Yeah. Um, really loved big thinking. I just liked the idea also of servant leadership. I was really drawn to servant leadership because obviously, you know, you study Jesus, the greatest leader that ever lived, and he came and he goes, hey, you, you guys call me the guy. I'm the guy for you, right? And they're like, for sure. He goes, so if I wash feet, you should wash feet. Mm -hmm. You know, the first become last, last become first. All that stuff I subscribe to. And then that's the stuff these leadership gurus are teaching. You know, the more that you serve people and give them what they want, you will eventually have what you want. 
And so I was just really drawn to, you know, I grew up on a small island in the state of Washington. My past, my dad was an amazing pastor. It wasn't the largest church in the world. It was a healthy church. But when I started, you know, getting around Wayne and uh, just seeing a big world here in Southern California, uh, you know, the church I served at had like an orchestra and a choir and everybody was in suits and there was Mercedes Benz in the park. I'm like, what? I'd never seen a Mercedes Benz. So I was just kind of blown away in this era of life of going, it's a big world out there. And if I can get her, it's like, if you hang around the wise, you're going to become wise. Yeah. Yeah. When you teach, you don't have to have a mentor face to face to learn from them, but Mm -hmm. you can get mentored from anybody that you read, anybody that you follow, anybody that you listen. So I just subscribed to that and and really got excited about trying to get what was on their life onto mine. Yeah. And, and we talked to a lot of young leaders and young adults, Chad. Um, and so I'd love to hear from you when you're sort of drinking in the wisdom of the wise, how did you sort of sort through that taking the wisdom and being authentic to who Chad was? You're just talking about a church that was in suits and Mercedes and all of that's not your church, right. you know, how you lead. So how yeah. did you take the lessons and then be authentic to Chad and who you are and live those out? Well, I think, you know, like to quote John Maxwell, I'll I'll bring it full circle, but he talks about as an orator, as a speaker, he says it takes you six years to find your own voice. It's true. Mm. You know, and that's the whole line. You're, you're, you're an echo before you're a megaphone. So you're mimicking, you're copying, you're repeating the greatness of others until you find kind of your own lane. I think being a young leader is kind of going like, okay, yep, I don't. I like what they're saying in the spirit, but maybe that's not the method that I'll use. I think being a young leader is just kind of going like, who am I? Does that fit with my Enneagram? Does it fit with my unique upbringing? Does it, you know, my values, the unique gifting on my life? I think, you know, growing up, you're just trying to get comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Trying to find, discover who you really are. And I think we do that through failure and we do it through mimic. We're, we're yeah. copying. And I don't think that's a bad thing. When, when the Bible says he who desires the position of an overseer desires a good thing. That to me is talking about, there are young people that are going to see a, the, someone operating in that position and going, I want to be that. Yeah. The other day I went Instagram live. I was just like killing some time. And in the comments, this guy named Greg Johnson was commenting. I don't know if you guys know this guy, Craig Johnson. Mm, no. You know, in, in Foursquare, my denomination, in the this was the guy. 1992, Long Beach, California. He feels like an arena of like, I don't know, 7,000, 8,000 young people. I'm, you know, 12 years old. I'm in the arena. I'm like, God starts, you know, moving in my life. So this is our guy. So the other day I'm on Instagram Live. I see Greg Johnson. I was like, Craig Johnson, will you go live with me? You know, will you, you know, so I, I click on it and, and, and here he is, you know, he's talking and I'm like, I honor you and I'm so thankful for you. And I remember being 10 years old and you speaking for my dad. And it was the first time I saw a preacher and I thought to myself, that's who I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's good to be a young leader going like, these are my role models. Mm-hmm. These are my voices. And I'm going to follow what they say and tell I've got something to say. And I, while I'm working out who I'm supposed to be. So I think as a young leader, I was just trying to, there's a lot of time to go on. Yeah, no, that's not for me. 
that doesn't sit well. Oh, God bless that ministry. I love the whole body of Christ. We need ears and feet and hands and hair and all of it. But, you know, like I, I got to be secure and confident in who I am. Yeah. yeah. So I don't obviously need to probably educate you on culture or young adult dynamics. I mean, you deal with it. No, every that's why we have day, on the right? show. It's, so it's, you know, but. Exactly. But I'm, I'm driving to a point here. Thank you, Jeff. No, so, <laughs> no I think, uh, you know, the. I love what you're saying about following someone long enough until you have actually something to say. This generation seems to want to do a more of a copy and paste approach where I love what Veach says. I love what Durso says. I love what these other guys say for whoever. And then they try to copy and paste to their own stylistic preference Mm -hmm. or their own methodologies or ideas or entrepreneurial pursuits or whatever without marinating. So how are you getting young adults at Zoe or even the young adults that you lead and you disciple? Like, how are you guys getting them to set for just a little bit? Because it is important. Yeah. Like, like I understand exactly what you're saying, but one of the big challenges, at least on a college campus, I have with, you know, 4,500 college students is helping them understand to set long enough to do that marinating. Like, so how are you guys doing that? Well, I think, you know, we're just trying to, I think all of it comes down to engagement, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we all need relationship and, and our lives are really changed, not in the context of, of services. It's, it's, it's discipleship. It's one-on-one. So I think, you know, you know, whenever I see a, a, a guy that's trying to reach or, or preach, you know, we call them lobby preachers. You know, these guys in the lobby, you know, and nothing worse than a frustrated preacher mm-hmm. or somebody on the Internet's trying to, you know, like say something. I always just say, like, it's sometimes it's a real cry for attention mm. or it's a cry for like, man, I wish somebody was engaging me. Yeah. And I don't think that's bad. Like, I would rather reel somebody back than try and motivate somebody forward. Yeah. yeah. I think we need to, you know, I think we need to be careful with talent. Because really, a lot of times what we're talking about is talented people, smart people. Yeah, absolutely. So they got something in their life. They got something to say. Right. They're leaders. So I think you know that it just it tells me, man, there's passion here. There's there's purpose here. There's something on them. Can we get them to a place where they'll trust us enough to engage them? Mm. Because a lot of times, talent it's a it's a tension. Because a lot of times talent's like, don't tell me what to do, or you're just trying to squash my gift. Yeah. Or you, and I think that's very, you know, young people have to be very careful. Don't ever be loyal to your gift. Hmm. I, it's a real scary thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like I love ambition. I do not love selfish ambition. Yeah. And I am too old to try and judge your motives. Yeah. We'll let the Holy Spirit do that. But you know, when you've got the motives to serve God, there's the, James 3, there's the wisdom that from above comes over your life. And what is the wisdom from above? Pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, unwavering, doesn't have hypocrisy. So if I have a call on my life and I've got the wisdom of God, I want mentors. I want teachers. I want accountability. I want a covering. I want to submit my life. If I'm just loyal to my gift, I'm, I, 
listen, the, the, let's use another verse. You correct a fool and I'll look like the fool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I got to, I got to find out from you, where do I sit? Where does the church sit in your life? Can I get close to you? Can I engage you on real stuff? Can I tell you what I think? Can, can you let me into your real life? Can, can I take you on a trip? Can I do a Bible study with you? Will you meet me early in the morning to pray? Let, let, let me see where I could go with you. Yeah. Because anybody that's humble and hungry, let's go. Right. But anybody that's not, you're scary to me. Be, you're, and I'm very afraid because your loyalty is not even to others. Your loyalty is to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's really good. That's, that's like we're gonna marinate on that for a second there, Chad. Let's <laughs> pause. No, that's it, it's, it's just real. It is, yeah. and and I think the challenge, and I'd love to hear from you because you're in a the center of celebrity there in LA. Like we're not far from Nashville, where everybody wants to be a singer and a country star. You're in LA, where everybody wants to be famous for something. Yeah, and in the Christian world, we've seen people want to climb the ladder of notoriety and celebrity in in the, under the guise of creating a platform for Jesus. So how are you helping sort of guard that, that per, maybe per, not just personally, but in, in the culture you're in there in LA, this sort of like, Oh, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm trying to blow up for Jesus. I want to, I want to blow up the Instagram for Jesus or TikTok or whatever it is and match that with what you're talking about, the humility and the hungry and not let the celebrity take precedence. Well, what we're really talking about here is the spirit of pride mm. and, and name yeah. one of them that doesn't battle it. Yeah. I mean, I got an ego and so do y'all. Right. Yeah. And so how, again, I'm too old to judge your ego. Mm -hmm. I'm too old to try and get, you know, into your motives. Only, you know, your motives. Yeah. You know? So I think fruit speaks fruit of your life. Longevity speaks. So if you want your life to really tell a story, we're talking about before we press record, Papa Rick. Okay, so his fruit tells on him. So I don't, I don't, I don't need to judge his motives. Right. His fruit told me what the longevity of his life equated to. So my concern is listen, everyone out there, you are smart enough and talented enough, and you are good enough relationally to get yourself here. But listen, when you get yourself there. That's a lot of pressure to maintain it and to keep it going. Mm -hmm. But when you understand that only God brought you into spaces right. and only God promoted you, then you're not really worried because you're like, God brought me here and whatever he wants to do next is his business. Yeah. I, I, I didn't network and con connive. And I saw a, a clip from Fat Joe the other day. And this is great. It is a rapper. Yeah. He talked about how everybody wants to go viral. The virality craving. Yeah. He said, but the problem with virality goes, I've never wanted to go viral and I never, I never have really gone viral. All I've done is been myself. And we got to be careful because when you hit virality and you go viral, there's the pressure to do it again. Mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, I, I can't get over this verse right now. Jeremiah, above everything else, the heart is wicked. Mm. I'm a wicked man. You, we're wicked dudes. I need to pray 
and to look in the mirror of scripture and to get my motives and my heart right to come out of that place ready to serve. If I don't keep doing that, I'll drift off and I will make it about me and my kingdom and my name and my, and we've all done it. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. No human could be like, no, nah, perfect record. We're human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're humans. Yeah. And so I think the solution, in my opinion, when God appointed kings in the Old Testament, his first thing that he mandated them, he said, this king, every day he will read and rewrite the law every day. He said, this daily habit will not allow their hearts to be lifted above their brethren. So what is he saying? If you don't read the Bible constantly, you get puffed up arrogant and you're like, I'm better than people. So to me, we need leaders that are praying and reading the scriptures and in community and have accountability to combat that massive thing called ego and pride. Yeah. That's really it, good. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you cut it. I mean, we've had a hundred conversations on the show. Yeah, literally. Almost every leader that we've talked to always brings it back to the most simplistic of things. Those basics of discipleship and submission, right? Submitting. That's it. That's it. Submitting yourselves to the word, submitting yourselves to Christ, submitting yourselves to one another. And just like learning to live in that tension of pushing the envelope for Jesus, but also just resting in his comfort and his grace, being not content in the sense of apathetic, but content in the sense of, man, wherever God takes me, I'm okay. And if he stops me here, I'm okay. If he takes me there, I'm okay. If my church is a hundred, it's okay. If my church is 50,000, it's okay. It's like, it's living in the absolute center of, of his presence, knowing good and full well, that the fullness of your life is spent for him comes back to that every single time. And a lot of times, you know, like last week, I, I got to spend, I spent 12 hours. It just so happened. We just kept hanging out with Dr. Henry Cloud, who's one of my favorite people in the whole world. You know, we're talking about a guy that sells, guys, sells 60,000 copies a month of a book he released in the late 90s. Still. Yeah. 38 million sold copies of his books. Get out of here. Crazy. Yeah. So I said, Dr. Cloud, what is the problem with pastors today? Why are we so messed up? He said, well, a lot of times the reason why a guy is messed up or a girl is they've never been in a small group that they've cried in front of. Hmm. Wow. Think about that. So in other words, they're doing, they're going, they're serving, they're giving, they're loving, but they don't know what it looks like. Like you just said, to submit to one another. Hey guys, will you pray for me? Hey, you know, we're not doing that good right now. Hey, my kid is, you know, going through this. So on and so fill in the blank. But I think we we want to be superheroes and we're not. We're just not, we're not built. It's like you use the word celebrity. I wouldn't wish celebrity on anybody because humans were not meant to be worshiped. Yeah. It messes with our psyche. Right. We are built to worship. We are built for community. We are built for one another. And so I think, like you said, it, it goes back. We got to get back to those, the, the simple living. 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, this morning is, is kind of going through my own devotion and prayer time this morning. And I don't know why the Lord reminded me of this, but he said to me, he said, don't ever think that idolatry resides somewhere off in a distant land with a distant people when it lives very comfortable in your own house and in right. your own church. Right. I mean, you know, I'm just like, Oh, yeah. like, I mean, it's that, it's that, that, that idolatrous sort of relationship we have with ourselves and with people um, that often starts off with good intentions and faithful serving, but it evolves. It grows as we get more distant from the epicenter of who we're called to be. It evolves and it grows into that idolatrous reality. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shifting gears. We, we love to talk about local church. Rob and I are church planners. We've done a little bit of church planning. You planted Zoe, I think seven years ago. Turned seven in three weeks. That's awesome. I, I have to. I have to ask because because I'm here in Cleveland, Tennessee. If you know Cleveland, Tennessee, it's the home <laughs> of the Church of God, and I planted an assembly God of church. And this is the question I get asked: Why Cleveland? So I'm gonna ask you, Chad. Why did you guys go to LA? What? What? I know the Lord sent you. Okay, beyond yeah. the Lord sending you, right? Why? Why LA? Well, you know, um, so so I I lived there for six years. You know, right out of high school, I moved to LA worked at a church for almost six years in, on the east side of the city. And when I left in 2004 to go back to Seattle, I mean, I left kicking and screaming. I was yeah. really, I did not want to go. And I always felt like one day I will come back and plant a church and I'll live here the rest of my life. I love the way the city moves. I love the people of it, like real Angelinos, like Dodger Stadium, like yeah. Staples Center, like- Go Blue. You know, <laughs> when you go you it's like is it a, is it mexican is it asian is it black is it it's the it's just a melting pot yeah of culture and i just i i couldn't love it anymore i just i love pastor jack hayford was my hero growing up i grew up four square sister amy simple mcpherson it's just all azusa street has been a huge part of my life i just i've always loved la and, and the idea that it's a landing zone for god to move mm. and and I and I and I love the star power of it. I love that it has eyeballs. I love that it has has influence. I I love every. Yesterday I landed back from Florida, and God bless Florida. Y'all beat us in COVID. Y'all won. Florida, <laughs> you won. We you did it right. We did it wrong. Bottom line. But I flew back from Florida. I told the guys that were flying with me. I said, "You watch. Just wait. We're gonna st- we're gonna walk out of those doors at LAX." You're going to walk on the curb and you're going to feel one of the greatest feelings in the world, which is landing back in Los Angeles, California. And so when we got there and I said, feel it, boys, it's something about the city. I, I agree. Oh, 100%. I, I love the city. Man, I love it, too. We have, my wife and I love it. We love the grit. We love we love uh, the central market. We love the museums. We like just get down in there. I mean, it's it it really does have its own sort of body to it like its own life you know what i mean it's it, it's there, an awesome there's, place there's certain cities and 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 we we had um john tyson if you know john yeah. tyson he pastors in the heart of new york city manhattan, manhattan. we've had alex and henry seeley on the show they're in nashville, nashville. and then then you and, and i've said this to my wife I, I it's a special calling chad and julia have to be in la yeah. like nashville like new york city because you have to be able to navigate a culture that's so different than anywhere else and, and so like, and, I, and I've said this out loud and I will acknowledge it. And the Lord has heard me. I don't have that calling. I don't have the New York city <laughs> calling. I don't have the LA calling. I might have Nashville. Now I could right. probably get down in Nashville, yeah. 
but but it's it's in those kind of environments it takes special callings it takes a special call of the lord to go go to this city whether it be like jonah's nineveh or whatever it takes a special call of the lord to go to some of those spaces and to serve faithfully that, that other people just don't have i'm i'm in little bitty cleveland tennessee and i like it and i love it and i'll stay here a while um la's not for me i don't know i, I love it i mean i think one of the best things in the world you can do you can get off LAX, drive over to the coast, take the one all the way down to Laguna Beach, man. It is just a spectacular drive. And I've got the Yosemite poster behind me. That's my favorite place on earth. So California. So LA, you guys are in LA. Zoe Church is seven years old in two weeks, right? So what are some of the cool sort of evolution moments that you've seen in that church? Like you planted it, you probably launched big, launched great, but like, what are some of those points or those pivot moments where you say, okay, this is different. Like we're moving into a different season. Well, I mean, you know, when you start, you know, it's just so fun. You start, and, and we just kind of, you know, we're just so excited. We start a church and then you start a college and then you start music and then you start merch and then you go on tours and then you launch another location and then you launch another location and then you wake up one day, you're like, dang, now we got to take care of all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 You got to shepherd well, it. Spirit will get you sometimes. He's like starting. And now you're like, well, starting was so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, you know, when we, when COVID hit, we were in three locations, we had three locations, West Hollywood, the Valley and Echo Park. And then coming out, we didn't meet for 17 months on a, on a Sunday morning. Hmm. So, and then when we came back, we couldn't find anywhere. No school, no church, no, wow. no um, theater. All the theaters we would want, we're like, we're not bringing our staff back for you. So we could, yeah. we found this one theater downtown, which if I'm being honest, would, I would never have chosen to go downtown. But we're very grateful that, um, that we got to open our doors. So, you know, this iteration of our church, this expression currently, it's like, wow, I never saw it coming. I, I, I would have, have never thought this is where we, what we would be in seven years. But I think that's the life of a church planner without a building. Yeah. Having property, having a building changes everything. It is your foundation. So I think we've had to just roll with the punches and make the most out of it and, 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 and enjoy the opportunities that we have to to reach people. And every time we open our doors, there's somebody walking from in from Cleveland, Tennessee or with Huntington Beach or, you know, I laid a couple weeks ago. She's like, I woke up and drove down from Sacramento. I watch every wow. week online and you just never know. That's the great thing about church. You just open the doors and you never know who's walking in. You put out the bat signal and you never know who's watching. So I love the opportunity that comes every week. Yeah. So for you guys, and, and some people may not know, well, we're going to kind of shift directions here in a minute, but what does Zoe mean? Like, what is the origins of that name? Because if you, if you have no reference point, people may be like, well, what in the world does that actually mean? So yeah. kind of help, kind of help other people understand where the origins of that name came from. Yeah. So it's a Greek word out of John 10, 10. And Jesus says, the evil one has come to steal, kill and destroy he said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So that abundant life in the Greek, there's the word Zoe. 
And a uh, short, short story real fast. When I was uh, 19 in Bible college, I heard a teaching from Creflo Dollar out of Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And he started teaching on the Zoe life. First time I ever heard the word Zoe was this teaching from Creflo Dollar. Mm. And, he, and he's using that verse when Paul says, you know, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, he reaps. The man that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but the man that sows to the spirit will reap of the spirit everlasting life, abundant life, Zoe life. So I'm 19 years old. And God's like, the reason why you are where you are is you, you're, a, you're a flesh guy. Mm. You sow to the flesh. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to arrest you, you'll live the abundant life. All's in. So when it came time to name our church, I thought to myself, I've always loved this Greek word, zoe. So I I said, Julia, what do you think? I know it's different, but I've seen a million abundant living Christian faith centers. Yeah, yeah. Never seen a zoe. And she's like, let's do it. So that's how we named it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, we have a, we have a pool going, Jeff and I do. Okay. about whether or not you actually have the tattoo Zoe somewhere. <laughs> I do not have it. I do. I got, I only got three tats. I got a G I got an Ephesians three twenty, and I got a better at 70. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my newest one is the uh, Jerusalem cross from, from Razooks in Jerusalem, Israel. If you've ever, it's uh, it's a whole story. Wow. We got that. We'll that's talk a, about that's a whole nother show. Like, that's yeah, a whole yeah, nother yeah. show. Yeah. So anyway, we we make no apologies about being Pentecostal. You come from a four square yeah. background. I'm curious in LA, especially and in your church, how you hold the tension of being, especially toward young adults. You're very young church, and and being expressive in the Pentecostal heritage you have and being sort of relevant to a culture that's moving very fast. How has that lived out in Zoe? You know, I, I just think, what, what, what do we have outside of that? You know, I just come from the belief the Holy Spirit is in us for us, but it's on us for others. It's mm, good. So the Holy Spirit, to me, I would be done if he wasn't my divine encourager. And I would have no shot at building an effective church in Los Angeles without the power of the Holy Spirit on me. And so that, you know, all the gifts of the spirit are for others. So we're trying to build a spirit-filled church. Again, my heroes, Jack Hayford, he wrote the spirit-filled life. Yeah. Bible. So mm-hmm. I just think what causes people to walk in off the streets or come, you know, that don't know God and really surrender their life. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the presence of God. So we want to be presence driven. We want to have the power of God in our services and I think, you know, people want a word of wisdom. They want a word of knowledge. They want, you know, uh, uh, healing. They want miracles. They want the gift of faith. They want the operation of the Holy Spirit. And spirit recognizes spirit. So when it's the, the spirit of Jesus, people go, whoa, I felt the love of God. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we are unapologetically um, Pentecostal as well. And I don't think, you know, one of my favorite stories, I read it actually this morning, John 4, sorry, yesterday, John 4 the woman at the well, he gives her a word of knowledge and never says, I am going to give you a word of knowledge, <laughs> but he operates. Yeah. So I think in LA, we try and operate without labeling what's going on all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. We, we've had to, and we're putting assembly guy. We talked about that. Um, I feel like we're always having to, to teach in the moment, sort of speak. If something happens, God moves. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like, like I remember we had a young, young, young man and, and we have a lot of students here at Lee who don't come from Pentecostal backgrounds yeah. and he attends, he did a church and we had some prayer time and then he was at my table for dinner the next night. And he goes, what was that? <laughs> like, and so, so we're teaching in the context of it going, Hey, so let me explain what that was the power of the Holy spirit. And so I know for a generation that has been overexposed or not exposed at all, there seems to be a lot of communication and teaching in context of the moment. So there's understanding of, of what's yeah. happening. Um, so is that being lived out? How's that being lived out? Zoe, or is that like in the moment, are you teaching that? Are you? It- yeah, I think we're always trying to bring context to what we're doing, why we're doing it, what the Bible teaches. And I think that we need to have, you know, I think that's why, you know, alpha courses, Bible study courses are such a big deal yeah. because we need to teach people that this is biblical. Yeah. This is God's desire. This is what, this is, I love Ephesians 4.11. He has given some, a few, to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But all of that is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So our job is to equip people to go minister. How can people minister effectively without the power of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So I think that there needs to be not only the display, but also the teaching. Like I've always hated that, 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 uh, that remember that old saying, ministry is caught not taught it's like that's not even what jesus did jesus didn't do that yeah <laughs> he, he put mark three fourteen. he put the disciples in his back pocket and carried them everywhere he went but then sometimes he would look at them and say hey you, you know why i did that right hey you, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. understand what i was doing there so it is not only the display but it is also the teaching that is very important yeah. for people to stand on something yeah, yeah. you know well, let's, let's get the reason why you're really on the show. Let's talk about your new book. Listen, I, I love. He's on the show because he likes yeah, us. I don't know what you're now. talking about. We're, 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 we're straight BFM. Listen, yeah, That's guys, I'm, I'm, I'm promoting my new book here. <laughs> Lead Like It Matters <laughs> that he co-wrote with Craig Rochelle. So, so this is so funny. I texted Craig yesterday, you know, because our book came out yesterday on the same day. Yeah. And I said, I said, this is the worst day to release a book. It's releasing the same day as you. I go, I told our staff, this is like Waka Flocka putting out an album the same day as Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, Waka Flocka has got 10 faithful fans, though. That's all I need. <laughs> he, loved I, he loved it. Loved, loved help I work with people. Solid leadership context yeah. book. This one seems much more pastoral, though. What yes. was the reason you sort of felt the need to write about this particular topic, worry um, and, and, and prayer? Really, it is a book about prayer. That's just, you know, it's got a great title, but it's a book about it's to me the way that I would describe it. It's the who, what, when, where, why, and how of prayer. That's what it is. And um, I talk about in the book a little bit, but I went to Bogota, Colombia to preach at a church and I was moved. Yeah. So, uh, Supresencia, Pastor Andreas Corson. The, he invited me to preach his Wednesday night, five and seven. And I'd heard, you need to go see it. So it seats 4,000. Then he had three other rooms of seven, 800 people in the five o'clock service packed. So after the five o'clock, unbelievable. After the five o'clock, 
he goes, let me show you the overflow. So we're walking around and he's showing me and I'm in one overflow, then another one. And that they're all upstairs in this amazing building. So he says, come over here to the window. He brings me out of the window and he goes, look out the window, look down, look down the road. He said, see all that? It looks like ants as far as I could see. He said, all those people are waiting to get into the next service. Yeah. They're trying to get in. And I go, Pastor Andreas, what, what, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing that we're not doing? And he says, well, I think that the reason why God's moving here is because of our commitment to pray. He said, every Tuesday and Thursday from 6 to 7 a.m., the whole church comes to pray before they go to work and the whole place will be packed like it is tonight. And I was just moved. I was, I, I thought I don't pray like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a church that prays like that. Yeah. And I, it was really challenging. And it brought me back to moments where my life was really shaped by prayer meetings Yeah. and corporate prayer and personal prayer. And so I came back and I just started to throw myself into prayer more. And I wanted to teach other people. I started to think, wow, why don't people pray? Yeah. And I started to just look at all the barriers. Most people don't pray because who does things that, that they're not good at? Nobody. If I'm not good at it, why would I do it? Right. Most Especially in our culture. Yeah. yeah. Most people don't pray because of shame. Right. They go, they go to pray and they're like, oh, you know, so I just started work and I go, we got to teach. The, the disciples only asked them to teach them one thing. And it wasn't how to turn water into wine or walk on water. They go, wow show us how to pray. Right. And I think we need today in this era, how to do the same thing. If I was the enemy of your life, I would do everything in my power to convince you that you cannot pray and you should not pray. Because if you pray, you will get into his presence because we don't worship prayer. Prayer is not, we don't glorify prayer. Prayer is just a vehicle that gets us to God. Mm -hmm. Right. We glorify God. If I pray, I get with God. And when I get with God, I get everything I need. So I just think I was, I'm very passionate about this subject because I just, I just, I know what it could do for people. The book will not change somebody's life. The God's presence will change somebody's life. Yeah. Right. I was reflective in a Facebook post this morning at just sort of those pastoral reflective type things about a church. The reason I planted a church here is because I, when I was a student at Lee, I was in a local church that changed my life. And as you say that, I started to reflect why that church was so powerful in the season that it was. It, Sunday mornings were great, but it began Saturday night at prayer. Like there was a small group of people gathering, crying out to the Lord, praying. And I'm convinced that revival was happening and God, God was moving because of those people committed on Saturday night. And so I think that's maybe Chad, what you're drawing out is this, the, the presence part we talked about earlier, the power part is going to come because people are committing to prayer. Yeah. And I think even here on campus, I mean, it just echoes everything what you're saying, because I mean, as you well know, Jeff, in the last two years, year and a half, we've had sort of this underground revival just spring up like all across campus. I say it's underground, but I just, because it's not in the mainstream venues where we have chapel and stuff like that. But what it is, right. It's spontaneous prayer, 40, 50 college students gathering together in houses or in dorm rooms all across campus. And they're just going after it for two, three, four, five hours a night. 
in prayer, kids getting saved, miracles happening, deliverance, like all of it's happening, but it's all in that, it's all in that cradle of just communication with Jesus. I mean, it's, it's literally in that, in that place of prayer where all of this stuff is beginning. And so it, it's kind of a, a cool sort of tie into exactly everything, what you're saying. Yeah. So, so the book is really about teaching people how to pray. Exactly. Give us just sort of the quick handlebar, something to hang on to on what you unpack in the book. Well, you know, there's a number of things, you, you know, I talk about all the P's of prayer. It brings peace. It brings, brings premise. It brings perspective. I think one of the great things about prayer, in my opinion, is that I am not worried about anything in my life that I pray about, truly. I mean, if you think about it, everything that is yeah. soaked or bathed, yeah. these are church terms here, but everything that is committed to God in prayer, I feel really good about. And so one of the quotes for me is that old saying, prayer changes things, mainly me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I pray, it's like, I still got the same bill. We're still in the same hospital room. I still have the same conflict to deal with. Yeah. Now I have peace about it. And now I'm, you ever notice what <laughs> it's like the power of prayer. He says, be anxious in nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, mm -hmm. let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds of Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed when you come to pray and you start praying and you start, you know, what did he teach us? When you pray, start with praise before petition, right? Before you ask God for anything, thank God for everything. Yeah. You ever notice when you start praying, you start with that adoration. You start with that praising. God, I thank you that today you're awesome. I just start praising, thanking God, adoring God. By the time I get to my laundry list, I'm kind of like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, you're good. I'm, I'm good. There, Jesus goes, there's nothing you need that God doesn't already know about. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you start praying and getting to his presence, you're like, what am I doing? You got the whole world in your hands. You own a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and all that is within it. Your eye is on the sparrow. You're my, you're my Rafa, Tenifiku, you're a healer, banner. I'm good. And so I think we need prayer because we're worried and we're stressed and we're anxious yeah. We're overwhelmed and we're we start striving and getting you know that's where that ambition selfish ambition comes in because it's a lack of trust yeah hmm. prayer helps me put god back on the throne of my life yeah i love yeah, that it's great it's great pastor chad it's good well, we, we want to honor your time. We know you probably got about a hundred more of these to do with the, the book coming out yesterday. Um, this actually be a couple weeks after the release, but we're so thankful for your time. We have one final question. We ask every guest that comes on the show, you attended life Pacific university. Um, but we asked the same question. What is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Mm. My senior year, I got an award and it was the, um, it was, it was a service, Christian service award. And 
my end of my freshman year, I get hired at the, at this church. So every day I go to Bible college in the morning, I'd eat lunch in the cafeteria and I'd be at the church by one 30. And I work at the church from one 30 to, you know, like let's say six, seven o'clock. And so I was never in the dorms. I was never around as a, you know, youth pastor building church. And my life was, I was learning theology in the classroom, but I was practicing my beliefs in the church. Right. So I did not learn ministry in a classroom. I think I learned how to serve, how to pray in hospitals, how to lead people to Jesus, how to disciple, how to lead teams, how to lead volunteers. Everything I really learned was not in the classroom. It was out of the classroom. So I'm grateful I had the poetry books and the Pentateuch, and I had the Book of Acts class and the Road to Romans, and I had pastoral care, and I I was learning, but I was applying at the same time what I was learning. So I learned so much of the practical hands-on stuff outside of the classroom, but I learned my belief and my systematic theology in the classroom. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Man, we have uh, loved having you on the show, and we're so excited for you for the new book. We're excited for Zoe. Just a great season that you guys are in. Zoe and, conference, like in a yeah. week, right? Zoe conference yeah. in like Next a week. week. I'm so excited. Yeah, that's gonna be great. Yes. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, but the book, worried about everything because I pray about nothing, is out now. You can get it anywhere. And uh, where we should, all buy books. Let's face it, Amazon. Well, yeah, where, wherever you buy <laughs> books. Like it, you can get it at Target. You can get it at Barnes and Noble or some Christian. But come on, we all buy it. Well, better than have it dropped at your doorstep in two days. That's where we buy books. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, uh, hey, as we always say here at the Leadership Drip, Pastor, uh, you have a seat at the table, man. We loved having you on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Chad. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.